Cheryl, you were a blessing to us last night, and uh, we expect the same today. Not, not that we're, we're uh, putting you under pressure, but we're telling you that we're eager and anticipatory in to hear God speak to you through you today to us. So come on up and... We're running a little bit early, so if uh, we'll be having a little break between the two sessions, so we can just enlarge that and catch back up. It is good to be with you all again. Again, I'm Cyril, and uh, I figured I'd share a little bit of my story. I um, was up here, uh, I was sitting down last night, and was like, oh, I don't think I shared anything about my story. So um, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, uh, and, and while I'm sharing, you guys can turn to the book of Judges. Uh, chapter 2, Book of Judges, Chapter 2. So I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My parents were originally from southeast Texas, and uh, dad was in the military, so we moved around a, a good little bit. I was actually born in Silver Spring, and I uh, ended up, when I was probably around six or seven years old, moving to Norfolk, and then uh, when my dad um, went, in, went into the inactive reserve, we uh, went to Virginia Beach, and I went to UVA for college, and uh, I grew up in a Christian home, but I really started, uh, it really clicked for me, the Christian faith, and I started really pursuing the Lord, and around my junior, senior year, developed a sense of call to ministry, so I went to seminary at uh, RTS Jackson in Jackson, Mississippi, and I met my wife halfway through, and we uh, ended up getting married uh, about a year, year and a half later, and we have three kids. I have a five-year-old, a soon-to-be four-year-old, and a one-year-old. Um, and so, uh, yep, we're, uh, we've been in D.C. for about, this is our fourth year now, and we moved up here to do RUF at Howard. I was uh, doing RUF at Jackson State before we moved up here down in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, so we love RUF, and we, we love all, uh, just being in the mix and, and being in, 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 in churches. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's good to be here. Yep. Things are going really well. Um, we're, we're, I'm, I'm always surprised at uh, what the Lord is doing. I'm like, okay, Lord, I guess we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Looks like you're, you're doing something. Um, so we, we, we have um, uh, two, two Bible studies going regularly right now. Uh, and we had two other Bible studies that were going at the beginning of the semester. But now we're getting to the end of the semester. Students are like, oh, I'm overwhelmed and I'm busy. And so I'm very, I'm very comfortable being like, all right, you know, it's okay. It's the end of the semester. Uh, handle your business. So we ha- we uh, we have athletes Bible study going. We have a Wednesday night Bible study, and we kind of have two on Friday that are uh, primarily student led, and the the athletes and also the Wednesday night one are student led as well. But the staff helps out a good bit, and uh, we we have anywhere from thirty to forty students at the uh, athletes Bible study, and same thing with the Wednesday night Bible study, and we kind of just teach the students. We walk through the scriptures, and we're really doing a lot of topical stuff now. I'm realizing that students, they, they know very little about the Bible and very little about the Christian faith. And so we're going through the, the basics. You know, who is God? And what does it mean that he's good? And essentially over the past four years, I've been walking through the, short, the Westminster Shorter Catechism with the students pretty much. Uh, and, and our main Wednesday night Bible study and then the other Bible studies will walk through different um, Bible books or topics. Um, and so we're, we're based on uh, student leadership and relationships. So we're, we're, we're like a warm group. Whenever I ask students how they got involved with RUF and what are their first impressions, they always say, really welcoming and like really warm, a family atmosphere. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, that's great. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's, that's just, I don't know, maybe 
And, and you know, I, I don't know if I've ever really done anything special to make that happen, but I guess maybe we're just a welcoming bunch. And they, um, and uh, they, they also enjoy the fact that there's there's student leaders have a real say so in what happens. So we try to empower and send down student leaders. We have a leadership team of about thirty people, and we try and train them and give them ownership and give them power to to do things and come up with ideas. So we have a, um, a talent show coming up. We're really outward focused, so we're really trying to connect with the university. Um, so we're always getting new students in our midst. I'm always I can't keep up with how many different new students. I'm like I'm in that place now in our fourth year of ministry where I walk around on campus and I'm a little anxious because I know I'm passing by students who know me, but I just don't remember them because I met ten new people at the same time at on Wednesday Bible study, and I just have probably you know if I stare at them long enough I'll probably recognize their face but just passing by I'm like I'm no I'm passing by people I've probably met before um so we're just always coming across new people um so it's been really encouraging right now uh, if if you can pray for us for figuring out how to structure because campus ministry is weird it's so it's so um like every semester you're building the plane as you fly it it's just like all right you're back from uh from winter break and all right, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then it's like, once we finally get a rhythm, it's, it's spring break, and then everyone comes back tired and like, I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed and I'm depressed. And so then it's kind of like, all right, let's try and keep the things that we started going. <laughs> and it's like, all right, summer, you know, go home. And then we do the same thing again in the fall. So we're always trying to like really shoot from the hip and figure things out. So I, I feel like. Um, we're trying to structure the the group in a way where um, everything fits together well. Everyone knows what they're doing. People feel trained and they feel competent. And also, as we grow, we're trying to uh, maintain a, a family feel among kind of our leadership team. Uh, so, y'all can be praying for that. Just our how do how do we lead well and organize the ministry well in the midst of of all of that? But yeah, thanks. Yep. Aren't you the first one that just came? I mean, you're the one that started, are you up there to Holland Lake? Yep, yep. So it wasn't like you just took someone else's place. Right. So you're... Yeah. Think that isn't, if I'm not like the Thomas and Michelle, you guys um, really came through, are you up? So we came through crew. Okay. Cool. Uh, so. <laughs> Sorry, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> We mainly did crew. Nice. There were a couple semesters, um, kind of like middle to end of college, that I did a little bit with RUF at Tech, um, and it was like really a great group of people. Really good experience there. We were just kind of like already invested in crew. But yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Awesome. In, in undergrad, I did InterVarsity at uh, a UVA. Yeah, and I, I met with the RUF campus minister once and kind of got involved in the reform world through seminary mainly. But yeah, I, I, you know, I was a... Um, initiator of the group and start, I guess started the group on campus and so it's been fun to see it where you, you just show up and I took classes when I first went on campus just to meet students and it's just when I would invite people to RUF I was really just saying come hang out with me I was like the only one um, and so <laughs> or like I tell people like you know how's RUF going like yeah we're doing really well and then during the fir- those first days it was just me so we're just really meant, uh, we're, I'm doing well uh, but but now it's cool to see that there's a group and there's students and you know people don't know that you know RUF's actually been on on our campus for only three semesters 
after COVID, we became an official organization. So students like, I just assume you guys have been here for years. You know, I didn't know y'all are a new organization. I think it's during COVID, we, um, we, you know, it was like maybe 10 to 15 of us that just were on Zoom and we all just became really tight because, you know, we had no other like real connections to the campus other than each other and school. So like when we, uh, fall 2021, when uh, the school opened back up, like there was, I guess already a lot of like, you know, uh, the image that comes to my head is dry wood, just ready to be set on fire. It's kind of just like, all right, let's go on campus. We're here, you know. So it's been it's been fun. We we have a staff now. Like you you, you all know, um, Chris Reed, and we have Latasha Alston who's on staff. She's a counselor and also has been doing campus ministry for a while. And um, Jason Franquer, he's also on staff with us. So we also like maybe that's another thing you can pray for. Like, what does it mean to lead a staff and you know have them feeling connected and like they're knowing what they're doing and feeling organized and everything so yeah thanks for asking yep um all right are y'all in judges two all righty judges chapter two we're gonna start at verse 11 so uh, so last night we talked about being united around a common message um that we must remember that the good news is good um this morning i want to talk about uh, being united under a common authority. Being united under a common authority. And uh, the whole point I want to drive home for our time this morning is Jesus is our common king, so unite under his authority. Jesus is our common king, so unite under his authority. So I'll start reading in Judges chapter 2, verse 11, and then um, I'll jump to the very end of the book and read the last verse. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned away from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning, because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. All right, flipping to the very last verse of the book. Chapter 21, verse 25. 
In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Would you all pray with me? Lord, thank you for this time to be able to dive into your word. Lord, thank you again for the opportunity to be able to explain your word. Lord, I pray that you would fill me, that I might be empowered to effectively and faithfully handle your word. Lord, that I might be able to effectively and faithfully serve your people. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would build us up. I pray that you would open our hearts so that we might receive your word and we might be able to submit to your authority, see your authority as good, as, as beautiful, as true. Lord, I pray that um, we would be those who are united, united under your kingship and your lordship. Lord, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so I have a confession to make. I do not like telling people what to do or authoritatively asking people what to do. And I don't like doing this even when I'm a posi- in a position of authority and even when people are looking to me for direction. Um, there are several reasons why. Uh, one of them is because sometimes I'm insecure about the, uh, the, I guess, soundness of the detailed advice I sometimes give people. Have you ever been in a situation where someone asks you for detailed advice about a very detailed situation and there's really no, you know, clear Bible verse and you're kind of just giving Christian wisdom and you spend 10 minutes just saying, you know, this is my experience and this is what I would do if I were you and et cetera, et cetera. And then at the end you say, but you know, that's just me, right? Because you're kind of like, if you follow my advice and ruin your life, you know, then it's not on me, right? You know, it can be a scary thing to tell people what to do in a very detailed way. Um, And then sometimes uh, I'm scared to tell people what to do or ask people what to do because what if they just don't do it? Then what? You know, is it, isn't that the fear of babysitting? You babysit someone else's kids, and you're like, I really can't discipline them because they're not my kids. This isn't working out right now. They just say no. All right? And then sometimes I feel this sense of guilt um, that, okay, I should actually or can actually be doing what I'm asking someone else to do. Um, and all these things are just my own insecurities, and this, these things don't really flow from good leadership. There's a moment that really changed things for me. I remember when, when I was in InterVarsity in undergrad, I was president of my chapter as a student. And I remember during a winter or summer conference, the exec leadership of InterVarsity, we got together, all the presidents, and we talked with the president of all of InterVarsity. Uh, and um, he, he had been a leader for in, in Christian leadership for many years. And I remember... Um, uh, we, we, we walked, we went around the table and we asked questions. And I remember I asked something like I said, I'm horrible at delegating and asking people to do things. Can you help me out? How, how can I be a good delegator? And he said this. He said, authority is like money, never waste it. Authority is like money, never waste it. And he explained how authority is good. And it is meant to be used. And if an organization is to thrive, a leader must use all of the authority given to him or her. And isn't this true in so many ways in our everyday experiences? Have you ever been a part of a company, a household, or a group or an organization where there was good leadership, where you respected the leadership? 
It felt the the group felt safe. It felt like there's a direction. There was optimism. There was a sense of peace. Um, uh, when 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 you are under good authority, good things happen. You actually look to direction and you invite direction from good authority. But have you ever been a part of an organization or company or household or, or, or job or office space where there was toxic or bad leadership, where the authority was bad? Um, there was a lack of direction and vision. You constantly felt the sense of anxiety when being around uh, these people. Um, you were pessimistic and unsure about the future, and you could kind of taste the despair in the air. Um, Christianity Today just did a podcast on this when this happens in the church. It was called um, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it talks about what happens when there's bad leadership at the head of a church. And so when the essential authority of anything ceases to be good, that thing falls apart in one way or another. The group goes against his deepest principles, it becomes divided, and the group eventually begins to devour itself. And here's the thing. With the church, we have an amazing leader. We have an amazing leader. That's an understatement. Our leader is Jesus. He is the greatest authority ever. He is good. And here's the problem. Oftentimes, we don't want to unite under his leadership. We don't want to submit to him. We don't want to obey him. And we uh, sometimes don't want to look to his direction in different areas of our life. Um, I, I really think it's because the words submission and authority are kind of curse words in our culture. Uh, it's just a part of our cultural narrative in, in our country where, you know, a part of our story is kind of like, uh, you know, rise against the power and overthrow authority. And we're always skeptical of when authority is going to turn evil. And we're always ready to fight and have a battle against evil uh, authority. And this is true in our personal lives, even individually, that the, 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 the narrative of our culture is self-expression at all costs. And if I can express myself and be myself, if I have to uh, deny myself, then a space is oppressive and abusive and unsafe. That, is, that, 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 that we reject anything that calls us to do the things that we might be uncomfortable with. Um, we just do not like authority. And this can sometimes transfer into our relationship with the Lord. We don't like it when the Bible tells us to do things that we don't want to do. We don't like it when uh, we are called by Jesus to deny ourselves and be things that we are not yet, right? And this is what happened in the book of Judges. The main problem at the end of the book is it says they did what was right in their own eyes. They rejected the authority of the Lord. They rejected his good authority and they became kings and queens unto themselves. And eventually, because of this, they started going down the path of self-destruction. In the book, uh, you know, it says in verse 25, in those days there was no king in Israel. The book is a case for why they needed a king. In those days there was no king. The judges were kind of like um, many king-like figures who would rule in different areas. And when they would reign, there would be peace. And, but they were usually temporary, so they needed a strong kingly figure. Uh, why were kings so important? God used the kings to kind of mediate um, or uh, be a conduit for his own authority. He would, the king would reign on behalf of God. In the Old Testament, the kings were powerful military leaders, meaning they would establish peace. The kings had to be strong. That's why in the Bible, when Saul became king, they, they liked the fact that he was tall. 
It's like, ooh, that guy looks like he could swing a sword, right? <laughs> they wanted someone who could fight. Uh, two, kings were wise judges, right? Solomon was, was praised for this. You had to be wise because uh, among the people, there was always drama, right? And so you had to be able to keep the peace and decide between disputes. Third, they were administrators. They established harmony and they built buildings and they kept the people moving in a certain direction. And lastly... The kings were students of God's law. Did you know that there was only three groups of people that had a copy of the Bible back in Israel? The elders did, the priests did, and then the king had a copy. It's because the king, uh, the, the elders and the priests, they, they were the regular teachers of the people. The king, he was supposed to know the law back and forth because he had to lead the people according to its statutes. He was supposed to be humble and trust in the Lord. So he, he wasn't supposed to have alliances with nations. That's why uh, there's, there, he was forbidden to intermarry with different nations. Uh, marriages were basically kind of like alliances with different nations. God said, don't do that. You only need me. He wasn't supposed to have a large standing army. He wasn't supposed to be rich and have all this money. But God was basically like, kind of like, I want our nation to be kind of weak <laughs> because I'm strong. I'm the only one you need. Um, the king was supposed to be able to do all these radical countercultural things to totally submit and totally trust in the Lord. And if the king did all these things, the people would thrive. And if they didn't do all these things, the people would fall apart. And here's the thing. As, as the people of God, we have a king. Our king is Jesus. And Jesus brings the authority of God to bear down on us and brings flourishing in wholeness, in wellness, in joy, in peace, in righteousness. And this is why we must uh, unite under Jesus' own authority. So as, as we look at the book of Judges, we're going to kind of look at um, kind of the, the vision, God's vision for them, their, their bright hope for tomorrow that God had. And then we're going to look at the reality. We're kind of going to look at the downward spiral and how Jesus reverses all of that. All right, y'all with me? Okay, all right, so, we're, so the vision of God's reign. So a little bit about the Bible. Basically, the people of Israel were in Egypt. They were, they were enslaved, and God delivers them from Egypt. And basically, God's like, all right, you are my new people, so now you must learn how to submit to my good kingship to flourish. And he said, hey, if you obey me, if you submit to my authority, you will be an amazing people. You will uh, have... Uh, tons of children. You will prosper in the promised land. You will be free. Uh, he's like, you will have peace all around you. I'll defend you from your enemies. You will be my treasured possession. And all the nations of the world will look at you and say, who are they? Who is their God? They are a light to the world. This was his vision for them. And God created a covenant with them in order to lay out the terms of this vision. But what was the reality? The reality was they were, they, they were just released from Egypt and they're traveling through the wilderness and they made it to the promised land. And uh, after a lot of rough history with God, they finally made it into the promised land. And um, basically God told them, remember my covenant with you. Remember, once you get in here, remember. And guess what happened? They did not remember. When they got in there, they, uh, the, they, the God, one of the things God told them, he said, you have to drive out all the people in the promised land because if you don't, they'll lead you astray. And they didn't do that. And they started to intermarry with the people in the promised land. 
And this was bad because um, they married people who didn't worship God. So they were led astray from pure devotion to God. And they started doing all the unjust, sinful practices that accompanied idol worship. And then they were tormented by these other gods. They were tormented by these other gods. The second generation in the promised land completely forgot about the covenant they made with the Lord and all the Lord had done for them in Egypt. And things got worse. So guess what God did? God's like, now I'm going to set myself against you as your enemy. You've, you've aligned with enemy gods, and so now you've made myself your enemy. And so though he redeemed them from Egypt, he sold them back into the hands of oppressors. And God basically said, oh, okay, so, so you want to worship these other gods? I'll hand you into the hands of the people who worship these gods, and let's see what happens. Let's see how they treat you. The people wanted to be their own kings and queens and stumbled their way into the authority of tyrants. And, th- and this is what it is in our own life. Being our own kings apart from the Lord always leads to some, some form of submitting to a lesser authority. We were hardwired and designed for authority. When we're not submitted to the Lord, we're submitted to a tyrant. And things got really bad, and so they cried out to the Lord. They're like, Lord, save us. We're sorry. We abandoned you. And so the Lord would send them a a military leader called a judge. And like I said, the judges were regional king-like figures. And whenever the judge reigned, things went really well. And he would lead the people back to faithfulness to God. But here's the thing. The people did not listen to the judges. So when the judges stopped reigning, things got worse and worse. They were like going in a downward spiral um, uh, as far as their, their wellness as a people. Uh, see, the thing was, the judge was a band-aid to a gaping wound. The judge was a band-aid to a gaping wound. What they really need, what they really needed was changed hearts. What they really needed was changed hearts. And the people were divided among themselves. So, uh, basically what happened um, is that um, the spiritual status of the people got so bad that by the end of the book, there was a, um, basically a woman was, was brutally raped and murdered by a group of men in the tribe of Benjamin. And um, the, 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 the people who knew this happened, they, it, 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 the Bible has some intense stories. They basically divided her body into, into different parts and sent a part to every tribe of Israel and said, hey, y'all, look at what happened in Israel. And all of the people of Israel got angry. They're like, this is crazy. Nothing this bad has ever ever happened among the people of God. So they said, Benjamin, uh, tribe of Benjamin, give us the people who did this. And Benjamin said, no, we'll, 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 we'll fight you over it. And so basically there was civil war among Israel. The Lord and the 11 tribes went to war against Benjamin. And the whole tribe of Benjamin was almost wiped out by the end of the book. Things got really, really bad. They were no different from any of the people around them, and they almost self-destructed. And the, the, the book ends with the issue that there was no, uh, there's no central king to unite them under the Lord's authority. They had rejected the Lord's authority. And family, this is what happens to the church when we aren't united under the Lord's authority. This is what happens to the church when we are not united under the Lord's authority. The same pattern will happen uh, um, to us that happened in the book of Judges. The church will stray away from God. 
When we want to be our own kings and queens, when we want to do our own thing, when we want to say, oh, you know what, I'll go to church, but all the other days of the week I'll kind of do my own thing, or, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call myself a Christian, but I really don't want to follow the Lord. Um, I just really want to capitalize on the Lord's forgiveness. This is what happens. We don't embrace the flourishing that God is offering us. And, and, and just like the judges, when we reject Jesus' authority, we always take on the authority of some other God. And in our American context, this oftentimes looks like some type of false version of the Christian God. A God consistent with unbridled comfort. A God consistent with self-expression at all costs. A God consistent with the accumulation of power and greed. A God who turns a blind eye towards the crushed. A God who wags his fingers at those who rest. A God who is, con- who is consistent with uncritical partisanship. And a God who does nothing to tear down worldly divisions. These are the kind of gods that we adopt from our culture. And they are a far cry from the God of the Bible. And here's the thing. When we, when we aren't submitted to Jesus' authority, we will be tormented. We actually believe that freedom is away from Jesus sometimes. Don't we sometimes believe that, oh, man, if I could just, uh, just pretend that the Bible doesn't exist for these next few days, I could just really have true freedom, or I could really do what I want, or I can do this thing. And really, this is where we experience the, uh, the, the torture that comes from gods who don't know how to be God. We become miserable. We become filled with sin, despair, purposelessness, hopelessness, and bitterness. And here's the thing, the church will only become worse. It will be the same downward spiral until the church is divided. And don't, don't we see this happening, uh, you know, in, in, in the church all across uh, our country that we're divided over these issues? And a lot of the issues um, are based off the fact that oftentimes the church does not want to submit to the authority of the Lord in a certain area. We, 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 we want to be... Um, we want to go by a different playbook other than the Bible. The church will be divided by many things and won't know what to do because we're, we're, we're debating over whether Jesus' authority is trustworthy. We'll be divided over pride and sexism and gossip and classism, a love for money, narcissism, racism, greed, selfishness, uh, nationalism, adultery, clout chasing, political partisanship, sexual abuse, etc. All these things will cause the church to be at war with ourselves because we struggle to submit ourselves to the authority of the Lord. And here's the, and here's the, and here's the thing. We believe that it, life will be easier when we're like the world, right? In our friend groups, we're just like, we, we feel this pressure to be like them because we want to fit in. And we don't want to rub against the grain. And we really think that things would just be easier and better if we just could just go with the flow. And, y'all, the world needs us to be different. Just like God was calling Israel to be a light to the nations, we are supposed to be the light of the world. We are supposed to be salt to the earth. We're supposed to be a city set on a hill. And guess what? This, causes, this requires us to be different. We will, we will find a strange but glorious mix of hatred and respect. This is what, this is what always happens in the Bible. Um, think, think about almost every Bible story that you know, and you'll be like, do they hate him or love him? I don't know. Like, think about Daniel. Who, who threw Daniel in the lion den, lion's den? The king, because there was opposition. But the next morning, who was running to the lion's den hoping Daniel didn't die? 
the king. <laughs> Every Bible story, there's, there's like, do people love him? Like when you look at the, the early church in the book of Acts, they're always getting thrown. Like there's this story in Acts 5 that, that you should read because it's like, the, the, the Bible's funny to me. There's, um, so they get thrown in jail and then they get released. And um, essentially they, 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 they're thrown in jail. They're teaching in the temple and healing and then they get thrown in jail. They get released and the angel of the Lord releases them miraculously and tells them, go back into the temple and keep on teaching. And then the people who captured them said, hey, get him out of the jail and bring him here. So they go to the jail, and they're like, hey, like the guards are still here, and the gate is still locked, but there's no apostles in there. Where are they? And they're like, hey, they're teaching in the temple. <laughs> uh, and then so the, the, the judges are like, all right, go, go get him and bring him here. And so they go to the temple, and the Bible says that they were scared to, to capture them by force because they were scared that the people would stone them. Isn't that so? The, the apostles go from one second being imprisoned to the next second, there's a mob ready to stone the religious elite on behalf of the apostles. Like, as a Christian, you got to be ready to suffer and be celebrated at the same time in a really weird way. But it, it doesn't work when we only want to be celebrated. Like, we have to be willing to suffer as well. We, uniting under Jesus' authority will cost you. But it will also bless you and bless others around you because people will see that you are needed. And here's the thing. When you look at the book of Judges, you're like, you know what? Everything would be great if they just had a king, right? We just need David to come in here and save everything. And nope. <laughs> because when they, even David, the glorious golden era of the monarchy of Israel, even things were bad under him, right? Uh, he was not the perfect king. The solution wasn't a form of government. The solution was a people with a changed heart who grew and, and, and knew how to love the Lord. Who actually loved the Lord's authority and cherished it. And y'all, this, um, this is what it means to be a Christian in many ways. There's many ways to describe what it means to be a Christian. But one of them is those who love the Lord's authority. Those who love the Lord's authority. Um, does anyone watch uh, like, like medieval movies? Or like medieval shows, like uh, you know the the Rings of Power, uh, just came out, and you know um, different things like um, uh, what's that? the my wife and I were watching The Last Kingdom, where you you know there's this guy named Uhtred of Bevinba, and you know he's going around and he's doing battles and saving people, and uh, but what, well, one of the things that's funny about those um, those shows and movies is um, you know, like for example with Last Kingdom. Um, Uhtred is like this, this amazing warrior, and he's got a band of like five guys with him who go around and fight with him in all these crazy battles. There'll be this situation where like, you know, the, the city is sieged, and it's sure destruction, and there's an army that we can never win against. And, you know, Uhtred's like, we can win it, guys. And everyone's like, no, we can't. And he's like, yes, we can. And then his five guys are like, Uhtred, we will follow you to the death. And I'm just like... Y'all are crazy. I would not follow Uhtred. I don't care how good of a fighter he is. I'm not following Uhtred. He's tripping this time. We're going to lose, right? But, and, and, you know, in, like, the Rings of Power, when they have a new king, all the people are like, yeah, we got a new king. And everyone's going crazy. And it's like, well, I mean, it's one guy. Like, what, what's so important about him, right? But this is the reason why. Because when you have a good king, everything changes, when you have a good thing, every, a good king, everything is different. You want to walk through a brick wall for a good king. Because you know 
that your people are on the come up and you know that your enemies will be defeated. This is what it is like when we become Christians, when we uh, submit under the lordship of Jesus. We know that because we have a good thing, a good king, everything changes. Everything is now different and we were willing and we ought to be willing to walk through a brick wall for Jesus. When Jesus says, hey, go in that thing and it looks like it's a losing battle. We're like, Jesus, I know because your king is not. I'm, I'm, I'm going like literally I'm going with you to the death, Jesus. Are we are we willing to follow Jesus into death? And so here's the thing, Christian, we ought to trust Jesus word. We ought to trust his word. And obey it. It is indeed is very simple, but very hard. It's one of those things that's very simple, but very hard. We ought to do it when we don't feel like it. When obedience is costly. When everyone around us is doing something different, when our favorite influencer tells us that Christianity doesn't make sense, when it means that we will be laughed at by our peers that we so desperately want to impress, when it means forgiving the unforgivable and loving the unlovable people in your life, and when it means admitting that you're wrong. We ought to submit to Jesus. Why? Because we will have wholeness, period. There is wholeness and flourishing under Jesus' authority. And if, if the book of Judges was a downward spiral into destruction, uh, the, and in many ways the, the New Testament gives us promise that if we submit to Jesus' authority, it will be an upward spiral into flourishing and delight. We have a beautiful, bright hope submitted under, uh, in submitting under Jesus' authority. Unlike in Judges... The church will remain devoted to God under Jesus' authority. The church will have the power to resist the temptations and and, and the things of the world. We will have joy and purpose, change and freedom. The God of the universe will exult over us and, and delight over us and satisfy us with his goodness, even when we suffer. Unlike in the book of Judges, the church will be different under Jesus' authority. The church will actually embody an attractive difference that the church that the world doesn't know what to do with. They know that they're that, that, that is uncomfortable, but they know that they need it. Unlike in the book of Judges, the church will only get better and better under Jesus' authority. We will see improvement. We will see advancements. We will continue to see uh, ways that we're shaping the culture, influencing every area for the glory of God. And unlike the book of Judges, uh, we will be united. You see, the church is often wrestling with division, but the way forward into unity is submitting to the authority of the Lord. We will be an instrument of healing and unity in a divided world. In many ways, this is my campaign speech for King Jesus, that he is your Lord and Savior, and there is no one better who can do that role. And here's the thing, church, if if we're going to be united, we must be united around something. We must be united around something. And the thing that we are united under is Jesus' authority. So I invite you to experience anew, if if you're a Christian, I invite you to experience anew the eternal life that comes with, with, with being under King Jesus. And here's the thing, conversion can accurately be described as bending the knee to King Jesus. That when we're converted, we, um, your offenses against the crown are forgiven. The favor of the king is bestowed upon you. And you are granted a prestigious position in the royal household as his child. And we are sent out to fight for this good king. To advance his kingdom into all the earth.
So family, will, will we be united under the Lord's authority? Amen? Amen. Right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this time where we can dig into your word. Lord, I thank you for the privilege of having you as our good king. Lord, I ask that you would convince us in our heart of hearts that you are good and besides you there is no other. Lord, I pray that by the power of your spirit you would break those, those areas of our lives and um, call us out of those areas in our lives where we want to hide from you. Where we say, Lord, you can have 75% of my life, but this 25% I want to keep. Lord, I pray that we would know that we can trust you with that 25%. We can trust you. When you have it, it will, it will lead to life. It will be a, 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 a balm, a boon, a, a, a medicine to our weary souls. So, Lord, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.